<laughs> Just waiting there for a little bit. How are you guys doing? Good to see all of you. Good morning. For those that are visiting, new, newish to Arbor today, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. So good to see all of you. We are in week two of this series that we are calling Emotionally Healthy Relationships. We are going after emotionally healthy relationships here at the church. And, and what this series is proposing, here's kind of like the thesis statement of this series. It's this, uh, spiritual maturity and emotional health are inseparable. Spiritual maturity and emotional health are inseparable. That it's not possible to be a follower of Jesus and then to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. That's, that's what we're learning about over these next few weeks. And where does that come from? Well, last week we talked a little bit about Jesus and that interaction he had with the Pharisee. And the Pharisee asked him, hey, what was, what, what's the most important commandment? And, and Jesus said all of the commandments hinge, they rest on two things. If you remember what he said, he said, love God and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And in John 13, Jesus said this. He said, a new command I give to you, love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And so at the epicenter of what we're doing here, at the epicenter of this thing that we call Christianity, following after Jesus, is this, is this thing called love. And love is not some sort of like philosophical idea that we think about and wrestle with and talk about. Love at its core is a tangible thing expressed in our flesh and blood, real life relationships. That's what love is. And if we are not growing and maturing in our emotional and relational health, in our ability to practically, tangibly love those that we are in relationship with, then listen, we are not growing spiritually. If, those, if that thing is not happening in our relationships, if we're not growing in our ability to love one another, we are not growing spiritually. Those two things are so deeply interconnected with one another that, that, that I would say they are indistinguishable from one another. And so in this series, we are learning how to do this better. Now, if you're, if you're new here or even if you've been here for a while, this series is a lot different than what we've been doing over the last few months. Typically here at Arbor, what we've been doing is we get like a book of the Bible or a passage from the Bible and we just kind of like methodically walk through that book of the Bible and learn from God's word. But this is a little bit different. We're getting a little bit more practical on some things here. And so, so some of you might be like, listen, but I really want to get into the Bible and I love the Bible and that's where the meat is. And listen, I get that. I'm right there with you, okay? I, I love that. But for all of us that are in that boat right now, here's what I would just say. Would we just take like a deep breath and breathe out and, and, and just be expectant for what God would have for us through this, through learning about emotionally healthy relationships? Because remember what I said last week, more biblical knowledge does not equal more spiritual maturity, it doesn't necessitate those things. We need that biblical knowledge, but just because we have it doesn't mean that we are automatically growing spiritually. Listen, you are not a computer. You're not a computer that gets information downloaded into you and then all of a sudden something clicks and you're like, I've got it, I'm good. No, you're a human being, okay? 
You're a human being and you've been beautifully and wonderfully designed in such a way where you could receive this information and learn stuff, but then we're called to process it and work it out in our lives. And that's what we're doing here. We're just learning some very practical, biblically-based information to take into our lives and take it into our relationships and practice it. That's what we're going after. So I'd invite you to do two things as we continue on into the series. The first thing I want to invite all of you to is to be open. Be open to what God would have for you, how he would be speaking to you through these coming weeks into your life, into your relationships, into your relationship with him. And then I'd also ask you to be brave, okay? Can we be brave in this? Because I wonder if some of the hesitancy that some of us feel as we go down this road is, is this idea that as we dig into this emotional and relational health stuff, that it's, it's rooted in a little bit of fear. I'm a little bit afraid that if we start to go down this road and practice these things, we're a little bit afraid as to what this might reveal about our own spirituality, about our own spiritual maturity, or about our own relational health with those around us. So those two things, okay? Be open and be brave. Can we do that? Okay, awesome. So speaking of being brave, how many of you practiced what we learned last week, the stop mind reading practice? How many of you tried that this past week? A few of you? How did it go? Good? Bad? So-so? I got some thumbs down. Like, that was a bad idea, Ryan. Why did you tell us to do that this past week? Listen, if you went out and practiced that last week, um, I just want you to know I'm proud of you. I'm grateful for you. I really hope that God, as, as we go week by week and you begin to practice these things, that he blesses your time with that person, that you grow in your emotional health, that you see growth in your relationship with God as you put these things into practice. Last week, for those of you who weren't here with us, we learned this skill called Stop Mind Reading. Stop mind reading. In other words, never assume you just know what another person is thinking or feeling or why they do what they do. And this week, what we're going to learn is sort of like the positive counterpart to that idea of stop mind reading. And it's this idea that we are called to clarify expectations. Clarify expectations. And so like mind reading, like making assumptions about other people, expectations, and more often than not, unmet expectations can wreak havoc on our lives, right? Can wreak havoc on our lives. Churches split over unmet expectations. People leave jobs over unmet expectations. Couples divorce over unmet expectations, Friends are no longer friends because of unmet expectations. Families stop talking because of unmet expectations. And maybe one of the most insidious, mischievous things about expectations is is that oftentimes we don't even know we have them until they go unmet, right? They lie in our subconscious until someone disappoints us. I remember early on in marriage, Uh, Carrie and I, we had just gotten back from our honeymoon and we were in our little basement level apartment in Chicago and we were getting the whole thing ready and cleaning it up and unpacking some boxes because I was supposed to do that before we got back there, but there's an unmet expectation and and we're doing all that work. You know, we're not talking about that one right now. Um, (laughs) We're talking about something else. Um, and, And we were cleaning everything up and Carrie's like, well, how about I go get dinner ready? And so she went over to this little kitchen and she was getting dinner ready and we had this kind of little dining room table with this, you know, cheap little Ikea table set up for us to eat dinner and she's like hey it's ready and so I go in there and I sit down and and I got some expectations right 
I've got some expectations about what might be coming my way in that moment. And so I, I'm, I'm waiting there and, and she kind of brings out this plate with, a, with one, one, one chicken breast on it and a little bowl of salad. And I look at it and it looks pretty good, but I think to myself, Ryan, don't say anything stupid. Don't say anything stupid. And I say, th- I say thanks, Carrie, this looks great, but, but, but where's mine? And yeah, and, and she was like, her, listen, unmet expectations, right? Her expectation was, we can share this. This is enough. My expectation was maybe like another chicken breast or two or something else, you know? The problem with most expectations that we carry, here are some problems with our expectations. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, so many of our expectations are unconscious, are unconscious. We have these expectations that we're not even aware of until someone disappoints us. The other problem with expectations is that, believe it or not, some of your expectations are unrealistic. They're unrealistic. We have these illusions about other people and our spouses and our friends and our pastors and all these things where we think that person needs to be available at all times to meet all of my needs, you know? Or, or, or some of us have expectations of the church and, and we read Acts 2 and we're like, I read this chapter and this is what the church should be like and, and, and this, this, is, this is how we should live and, and listen, no, no. If that was the case, we wouldn't have the rest of the New Testament. The rest of the New Testament was written because they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing in Acts chapter 2. Even two chapters later in Acts 4, if you read it, there are like people who die because they're not doing it right. And so we have these expectations that we lay on other people and other things and they're unrealistic and not just that. We have expectations that are unspoken. They're unspoken. We might not have ever told anyone certain expectations that we have. Like we might have an expectation that we're aware of and it might be realistic but, but they're totally unspoken, but as soon as that person, that spouse, that friend, that coworker doesn't meet it, we're, we're hurt, and we're disappointed, and we're angry, and we're frustrated, and, and, and you, you might say, well, but they, they should just know. No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't just know. You've got to talk about these things. And not only do you have to talk about these things, but listen, another problem with our expectations is that so often they're unagreed upon. They're unagreed upon. And so you might be aware of an expectation and it might be realistic and you might have talked about it, but you talked about it kind of like maybe through a text message or in passing conversation, and you just kind of passively threw it out there, and you were like, you know what would be cool if, and the other person was like, yeah, that would be cool. And then you're like, oh yeah, that's the expectation. They're gonna do it now, right? No, no, they never said, I will do that thing. They just said, yeah, it would be cool if that happened. That's all they're saying in that moment. Listen, it's still unagreed upon. It's still unagreed upon. Expectations, listen, can only be valid if they've been mutually agreed upon in the relationship. And so let's just stop here for a second. That's like a lot of information at once right here at the beginning. And some of you are like, but that sounds like a lot of work. So, yes, being an adult is a lot of work, okay? It's, it's hard. It's, it's difficult. It takes a lot of work. Our marriages, our friendships, um, relationships here at church, your expectations of me, my expectations of you. This is hard work. It's important work. 
And so these expectations that we have of one another, we need to clarify them. And for them to be valid, listen to this. You should write this down. You should take a picture of the screen and have this available for you. For for expectations to be valid, they must be conscious, realistic, spoken, and agreed upon. For expectations to be valid, they must be conscious, realistic, spoken, and agreed upon. This is really helpful to have stored somewhere and available, especially in the midst of conflict, because when you're in conflict with someone, so often something in there has broken down between you and the other person. And so you bring that out and you begin to ask some questions. Where did things break down? Was I aware of the expectation? Was it realistic? Was it spoken? Did we both agree upon it? And anywhere you find yourself answering no, that's where you dive in, that's where you dig in. And again, as I mentioned earlier, oftentimes we just think like, this is good information. It's clicking right now and a light bulb's going off. That's not enough. Just like last week with the stop mind reading practice, this needs to be put into practice. And so where do you put this into practice in your life? Like last week, think about your relationships. Think about the different areas in your life, your marriage, your friendships, your uh, relationship with your coworkers, whoever it might be, and and think of of a way in which you've been disappointed recently. And ask yourself and evaluate, was the expectation realistic? Did we talk about it? Did we agree on it? Find someone who you're close with that that, that is safe and practice this. This stuff takes practice. So, so, so here's a question though, in the midst of expectations. What do I do when an expectation goes unmet? What do, what do we do when, when an expectation goes unmet? And maybe we're aware of this expectation and it's realistic and we've talked about it and we've agreed upon it, but now the expectation is, is unmet. Like they're not following through. Like maybe for instance, you've got this relationship with a friend and every year you go on a trip with this friend and this has been happening for years and this is the expectation. But like things naturally do, they change and maybe this person gets in a serious relationship or maybe they get married or maybe they have kids and they're just not able to do that thing anymore and you're like, but it's an expectation and we agreed upon it and we're supposed to be doing this every year. They should have worked that into their vows. Like this is is really important to me. We should be doing this thing. Listen, if that's, if that's a situation you're in where, where someone is not meeting the expectation, you need to have another conversation, an adult conversation with that person. And sometimes these conversations can get a little like dicey and tense. And later on in a few weeks, we've got a, a lesson called Fight Cleanly, where we're going to learn how to navigate these moments of conflict but, but, but listen, with this friend, say the trip is off. Say they can't do it anymore. What you need to do in those moments when your expectations can no longer be met by that individual, you need to grieve the loss of that thing and you need to move that expectation to a hope. You need to move that expectation to a hope. And be like, one day, man, I hope that we're able to do that again, and I hope we're able to go on a trip again, or whatever the unmet expectation is, but you can't keep holding it forever that they're going to meet that expectation when things change. We can grieve the loss. It's sad that things changed, but we have to move that over to a hope. But, But what if, here's another situation, what if the other person agrees upon the expectation and it just never happens? They just, never, they just never do it. Like they thought they could do the thing, 
but, but they, 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 they can't do it. Well, well, again, you have to have another conversation about this. And you need to talk this through with that person. Like, listen to this. Maybe that person felt like they couldn't say no to you. Maybe they felt like they couldn't say no to you in that moment. And if that's the case where the other person couldn't say no to you in that conversation, then, then your request wasn't a request. Essentially, in the relationship, it was a demand. And you need to go to that person. You need to talk that out and be like, did you feel like you could say no to me in the moment? And the other person might be like, no, I, I honestly, I didn't feel like I could say no to you in the moment. So I just said that I could, even though it was a lie. And I just kind of kept going through it. And you got you to talk that out. You gotta talk that out and have an adult conversation or maybe this, maybe you weren't clear enough. Maybe you weren't clear enough or, or maybe they thought they could do it but it ended up they couldn't do it. And again, this is where you explore what broke down and have a clarifying adult conversation. Is it always fun? No, it's not always fun but it's worth it. It's worth it if we're going after loving others better. It really is. So let's pivot a little bit in this expectation uh, conversation and talk a little bit uh, about this question. Uh, What do I do if God doesn't meet my expectations? What do I do if God doesn't meet my expectations? Because I think it's safe to say in this room that all of us want to know what God is up to in our lives why he's doing what he's doing and we're probably waiting on him and expecting him to do certain things and and we're wondering why certain things are taking so long. And listen, I think that deep down inside, the reason we, we want to know these things about God is because many of us have this desire inside of us to want to control God. We want to control him. We say something like this, like, like God, I'll do this for you and I'll follow you, but, but, but remember, here's my plan. Here, here's what I want my life to look like. Here's what I want my marriage to look like. Here's what I want my, my career to look like, and you're gonna do this, because remember, I did these things for you, and, and I, I expect you to make me happy. I expect you to bring some sense of security or stability to my life, and if there's, a, if there's suffering, would it just kind of be sprinkled in here and there, not too much at once, you know? Now, here's the thing. God is faithful, God is just, God is loving, but the faithfulness of God, the love of God, the the justice of God do not always show up in our lives the way we think they should or when they should. They don't. So if you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and get those out, open up to Mark 5. Mark 5, we're going to look at a story, or if you can follow along the screens if you want, we're going to look at the story in verses 17, or verses 21 through 43, and it's kind of this overlapping, intertwining story uh, about this guy named Jairus and this other woman who's been suffering, and, and to set the scene a little bit, Jesus is walking through this crowd in Mark chapter 5. He's walking through this crowd and, and, and there's a bunch of people and, and one of the synagogue leaders in, in the community, this guy named Jairus, he goes up to Jesus in the midst of this crowd in verse 23 and he says this, my little daughter is near death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and lived. And Jesus is like, okay, let's go, let's go do that. And so they begin to walk over to Jairus' house in the midst of this crowd. But at that same time, as they're walking in the midst of this crowd, there's this woman. 
And this woman's been suffering for like 12 years and she's hurting and she's got this idea. She's got this plan. She's like, I'm going to sneak into this crowd and I'm just, I'm just going to touch Jesus' clothes and I'm going to get a little drive-by healing and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to go off and do my thing. Verse 28, she, she says, if only I touch his clothes, I will be healed. And so she believes this and she does this and she touches the hem of his garment and miraculously, she's healed. She's healed. The thing is, Jesus feels that he's healed someone. He can like feel this healing power go out of his body, which I just think is so interesting. And so he feels this healing power go out of him and he's like, whoa, like wait a second, stop. Someone touched me. And everyone's like, Jesus, are you for real right now? Like there's, there's like a ton of people around you. What do you mean someone touched you? Like, that even the disciples say in verse 31, uh, they say, you see the crowd pressing against you and you say, who touched me? They're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, everyone's touching you. What do you mean? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. No, someone just touched me and, and they got healed. And so imagine being that woman in that moment where you're just trying to like sneak in and sneak out and you're like, I'm gonna get that healing and peace out and get out of here. And, and all of a sudden, like everyone gets quiet because Jesus is like, something happened. And at first, this woman says nothing. She says nothing, remember, because, because of her, her illness, because of her suffering, she would have been considered unclean. She wouldn't have been allowed to be in like a crowded public environment like that. And so she's probably terrified in this moment. And she's thinking to herself, like, this was not part of the plan. <laughs> I did not expect it to go this way. And Jesus is like, who, who touched me? And finally, the, the, the text says, with fear and trembling, she's like, it was me. It was me. And in that moment, Jesus looks at her and he says this in verse 33. He says, daughter. This is one of the only times in in the gospels where Jesus refers to someone as daughter. He says, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. Not your superstition, because like what she was thinking of doing is kind of superstitious, right? She's like, if I just touch the the clothes, then I'm good to go. But Jesus is like, no, 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 your, your faith. Your faith has made you well. He, he stops her in that moment in the midst of the crowd and he calls her out and he celebrates her for her faith, seeking him out for that healing. And it's this beautiful, tender moment. But listen, while all of that is happening, it would be easy to be like, wow, like this is really intense and this is incredible what happened right now. All of that time, Jairus is like waiting there and he's like, what's going on? Like, Jesus, I grabbed you because my daughter is really sick and and she needs to be healed. And I heard you were coming into town and I had this plan for you to work in this way, in my life, in my family. And at that time, a man from Jairus' house comes up to him and he says this in verse 35, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? He's like, she's dead, man. At that moment, I can't imagine what Jairus would have been feeling. I mean, think about it. Like your daughter gets this illness and it's getting really bad. 
and you're like, what do we do? Like, like nothing that we're trying is working and then all of a sudden you hear Jesus is in town and so you go approach him and you kind of build up this plan and you have these expectations and there's this big crowd and you're like, man, this is gonna be a total Hail Mary, but, but I'll go see if he can come to our house and help and you finally get a hold of him through the midst of the crowd and he's like, all right, let's go and then you start going and then all of a sudden this random woman comes up and she touches Jesus and gets healed and then Jesus is like making a point to stop and talk to this woman in the moment and you're like Jesus she already got her healing let's keep going like like my daughter is sick like she's good now she's good my daughter is sick my baby girl and then this friend comes and says to him she's dead and in that moment Jesus looks at Jairus in verse 36 and he says this he says don't be afraid just believe don't, 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 don't doubt, just believe. The, the Greek word for believe there is, is in the present tense. It's pistue. And so it means keep believing. In the midst of your waiting, in the midst of this road bump, keep believing. You, Jairus, you believed 30 minutes ago. You were good. You came through the crowd and grabbed me. Keep believing. And so he continues to walk with Jairus and they go to his house and there are people there weeping and mourning over the death of this little girl. And Jesus goes into this room and he kneels down by her side and he grabs her hand and he says in Aramaic, Talitha kum, which Mark translates for us. It means little girl, I say to you, get up. And Jesus raises her from the dead. Now in the story right here, we have two different people. We have Jairus and we have this woman. And they both had plans. They both had expectations. And the woman's plan was, listen, I probably shouldn't be in this crowd, but I'm gonna put a little cloak over my head and I'm gonna sneak in, and I'm gonna get that healing, I'm gonna get out, and everything's gonna be all good. That was her plan. And then Jairus had this plan. He's like, Jesus is coming into town. I know people in the synagogue aren't too thrilled with Jesus, but he seems to have got something going on. So I'm gonna go ask him to come to my house because I'm desperate and, and he's gonna come and he's gonna heal my daughter. That was, that was his plan. But listen, neither of them got what they planned for. Neither of them got what they planned for. And here's why I share this story. Like I said, both Jairus and this woman, they had plans. They had plans for God. They had expectations of what Jesus would do in their lives and neither of them got what they want. Neither of them got what they wanted. The woman, she wanted a healing, just a, a quick drive-by healing, like boom, done. And instead what she got was an entire reorientation of her life. She went for just the healing, but Jesus stopped her in the moment and he said, essentially, you were once unclean. You were once an outcast in this society, but I'm calling you out in the midst of this crowd saying, daughter, it is your faith that has made you well. And this whole crowd knows that you are no longer who you once were. You are clean. You are made whole. You are now to be brought back in to the people and family of God. She did not get a healing. She got a reorientation. And Jairus, he also didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get a healing, but he got a resurrection. He went not just for, he went, he went to see his daughter uh, get cured of this illness, and yet she died, but he received so much more. Neither of them got what they planned in their expectation, though. And listen, this is what we do with God, though, with our expectations. 
We have these expectations of what God is like and what he is supposed to do in our lives. We follow Jesus and we have these expectations. But listen, Jesus rarely abides by our expectations. He rarely follows our plans. Sometimes, like in these cases, our expectations away and he supersedes them. Sometimes he takes like so much longer than we think God should take in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our waiting, in the midst of our hurting. Oftentimes God goes about things so differently than we would. And again, sometimes he blows us away. He like supersedes all our expectations. But listen, here's the other thing. Oftentimes we find ourselves in seasons of life where we feel really disappointed with where God has led us really disappointed. It's like we can't see him. We can't feel him. It's like he's nowhere to be, to be found. It's like he's abandoned us. And we find ourselves disappointed with God because we had these expectations of him. We had these plans for him. Maybe some of you didn't even know they were there until you were like disappointed and you were like, this is where I've ended up? This is where God's placed me and, and maybe you had some expectations about how God would move and work because you read some story in the Old Testament and you're like, this is how God works and so you're like, I'll follow you God but, but, but remember, this is what you do. This is how you're supposed to move and, and, and here were my expectations of how my life would go and here was my plan and I thought you were gonna bless that and I thought you were going to operate accordingly and then they don't happen and we're just left waiting. We're left waiting. And we're disappointed and we're waiting. Some of us are waiting right now to, to be mothers or fathers. Some of us are waiting for that spouse, for that, that person that God is gonna bring along in our lives. Some of us are waiting for God to heal us in some way. Some of us are waiting for him to, to fix a broken relationship. Some of us are, are waiting upon God right now for a, for a job, for him to provide in some way and we just find ourselves in this spot where we're, we're disappointed. We're disappointed with where God has us right now. And so what do we do when God doesn't meet our expectations? What do we do when God doesn't meet our expectations? When we find ourselves disappointed, when God isn't doing what we thought he'd do, or, or he's not working in the time frame that we thought he would. Some of you right now are like, I thought we were talking about relationships. Like this has gotten like really deep, really fast. But listen, here's the thing. Until we can come to peace with our unmet expectations with God, we will never be able to handle in a healthy way our expectations and our unmet expectations with others. So if you find yourself in the spot where your expectations of God have not been met and you're disappointed, here's what I would say. Don't ignore that. Don't brush by that. Don't try to shove it down because listen, I get it. It's hard. It's difficult. It's painful. And I want to frame this well. I don't want to cheapen what you're experiencing, but know that even in the midst of your disappointment, that this truth still stands, that your God has not sinned against you, that your God has not sinned against you, that he is for you and not against you. He loves you. His desire is to see you flourish. And ultimately, here's, here's where I just can't explain it. God's word oftentimes says, his ways are higher than ours. His plans are higher than ours. And we might come to him with these plans and we might be like, God, it looks pretty good to me. Do this. And then God's like, no, sorry. 
I've got something else in store for you. And as that's being played out, we oftentimes find ourselves disappointed. But listen, God says, you're not always gonna get it. You're not always going to understand. But would you know that I love you, that I'm for you? Your God hasn't sinned against you. And so in this moment, what it takes, simply put, I, I, I don't know how else to put it, it just takes trust and it takes surrender. Just like Jairus had to surrender his plans and expectations and just like that woman had to surrender her plans and expectations, we have to surrender our plans to God. We have to surrender those expectations to God. And so in this moment right now, I, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is like pressing upon each and every one of your hearts and for some of you right now, it might be a, a relationship, a broken relationship where things went wrong and there were some unmet expectations and there's some hurt and you thought in the midst of that relationship and there's no way forward there. There's no way forward. But now as we talk about these expectations, maybe there's some language that's put on it and you're like, oh my goodness, that's where we've been going wrong. Maybe there are some things that you have to process and own and ask for forgiveness from that person or, or maybe you need to be like, man, I gotta, I gotta do some work in my own heart and forgive that person because there's been a lot of bitterness and a lot of anger and maybe even some contempt that I've been feeling toward that person before I talk to that person. Or maybe, maybe it's your relationship with God. You had some expectations and, and some plans that you were leaning into and you were like, this is what God needs to do. And, and in, the, in this moment right now, you just kind of have to open your hands and be like, God, they're yours. They're yours. I've been holding onto these plans and to this idea of what my life should look like, but God, it's yours. And I trust you and I surrender them over to you right now. And so whatever it is, whatever it is, as we continue to move forward uh, this morning, uh, would we begin to surrender those things to God and trust him with those things? And so as the band is gonna come up in just a moment and sing this next song, would we spend these next few moments doing just that? And so would you stand with me as we pray? God, we, we come before you and um, Lord, we know that your ways are higher than ours that your plans are higher than ours. And so we trust you with that. We, we surrender that over to you, but it's not always easy. And so God, I, I pray for, for those in this room right now that are having to do that before you right now and surrender before you some plans and expectations that they had for their lives and, and trust you again. God, I pray that you would be near to them, that you would give them faith, that you would help them to trust just in the midst of Jairus' disappointment, his, his decision to keep believing God, that you would propel them to keep believing in this moment to know that, that, that while they might not be able to see your faithfulness and your love and your justice in the time and in the way they've been hoping, God, that you would bring that along and that they would trust that in due time, God, you will come through. Or for those of us that are in the midst of broken relationships and, and we find ourselves at odds with another person, uh, God, I pray that you would um, use the skills that we learned today to help us to engage in our relationships with, with other people, with our spouse, with our friends, with our coworkers in a way that's healthier, in a way that's more loving. God, Lord, we, we want to grow and we want to be able to love each other well enough so that when other people see us interact with one another, Lord, they know those are disciples of Jesus. Those are followers of Jesus. That's what we're going after here, God. Help us not just to accrue more experiences and more knowledge, but God, would we begin to live like you lived, Jesus? And would we love others 
like you have loved us. We pray all of this in your powerful name. Amen.